guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast ranking every horror movie ever made. And this is Lillian. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going pretty good. I've gotten a lot of bootleg VHS tapes in the mail this week. Ooh, what's the what's the haul? What are we what are so, we talking about? So uh, our friends on Instagram, Crummy Media, uh, made the complete David the Gnome. VHS set? Do you remember David the Gnome? I remember, I actually, I remember David the Gnome, but what I remember more than that is the memes from David the Gnome, specifically the one with David the Gnome holding his fists up and looking angry, and it says, how about I slap your shit? Um, (laughs) Which is a thing that I've used in my interpersonal communications many times. Have you, did you watch this back in the day? Yes, this was one of my childhood favorites. So I'm very excited to dig into these VHS tapes of like 12 hours of David the Gnome. Fuck yes. I honestly, I feel like I mentally pair David the Gnome with Eureka's Castle. On, yes. Yeah, when I was growing up, it was like those two shows that I would just watch every day. This, of course, being before Barney, which honestly, I feel like Barney was such a cultural moment in the 90s with people wanting to specifically murder Barney, and then like nothing after that. It's just like yeah. tears in the rain. It was a weird time for like anti wholesome children's entertainment it was a very very maligned that purple guy and i don't quite know why but speaking of eureka's castle i was digging through my own um childhood tapes and i found a not an entire episode but like 15 minutes of eureka's castle taped on top of a home movie Oh, so, shit, like, yeah. I don't have, you know, my <laughs> christening, but I have <laughs> part of an episode of Eureka's Castle to watch. You have, like, Magellan the dragon hanging out, and it's like, well, that's what you want, though, is him and the bat with the glasses. Like yes, Batley. Batley, thank you. He, yeah, oh my god. Now, god damn it, now you've you've doomed my evening, because as soon as we finish <laughs> this episode, I'm going to be straight Googling Eureka's Castle episodes. Well, let's get into it, then. The first movie we're talking about is one that was given to us by our friends at MVD. It's called Modern Vampires. So, holy shit. Modern Vampires uh, from... Starring Casper Van Dien. (laughs) Oh, starring not not just Casper Van Dien. Casper Van Dien, Udo Kier, Natasha Lyonne. You got fucking Kim Cattrall out here. Um, This is from 1998, and it's directed by Richard Elfman. Yes, of those Elfmans who is the older brother of Danny Elfman, who actually, uh, before Danny Elfman joined uh, Oingo Boingo, uh, Richard Elfman was in it when it was uh, the longer title, which is The Mystical Knights of the Oingo Boingo. I know I'm an embarrassing Oingo Boingo fan. Um, But Richard Elfman directed this movie, and I cannot fucking believe this, Danny Elfman scored Modern Vampires. Yeah, and and you gotta wonder how much of that was some uh, brotherly arm twisting. <laughs> I would say all of it. Literally fucking all of it. Uh, this Now, this movie coming out in 1998, I feel like uh, this is such a specific time and place for vampire media. Um, because, I mean, this is what? A year after Buffy the Vampire Slayer the series started. This is a year before... Like, I think this is like the same year that Blade came out. Like, vampires are pretty hot uh, circa 1998 but they haven't reached like critical mass i think culturally yeah um i think what year did interview with vampire come out that was 1994 okay then never mind i hate that i know that (laughs) off the top of my head um which i mean modern vampires which by the way uh starring casper van dien who uh 
listeners will recognize as uh, Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers. Yes, Quincy, pretty much the only thing that I know Casper Vandian <laughs> from. Like, what else would you possibly? I, Quincy, I, I don't think that I'm telling tales out of school here to point out that Casper Vandian is not a very good actor. No. He's also uh, kind of a creeper because this Blu-ray that we're reviewing has a director's commentary uh, with him on it, and oh, no. he's very oh, lascivious. No. What? Oh, Casper Van Dien's a creep? Well, he's just very horny on Maine. And Weird. he he's not shy about speaking about Natasha Gregson uh, Wagner's figure. And, Yeesh. And, doing sex scenes with his co-star. So a, a blandly attractive guy, like, do you think that Casper Van Dien looks at, like, Army, the downfall of Army Hammer, and he's like, ah, it could have been me. I could have been, I could have been the blandly handsome sex maniac. <laughs> like, he's, now, and Casper Van Dien, I think my favorite thing about, um, which, my favorite thing about his thing in Starship Troopers is that, like, Paul Verhoeven very smartly was like, okay, so I need the character of Johnny Rico to be a completely empty vessel uh, for military propaganda and has basically no personality and no agency. And he looked into into those baby blues and went, this is that man. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's, yeah. And in this movie, he... Now, how would you describe the styling in the movie Modern Vampires? It's very of its time it's it's extremely industrial music and leather outfits yeah it feels um extremely now quincy have you played um the video game uh, vampire the masquerade bloodlines no tell me about it um it came out in the early 2000s but it's like soaked in late 90s sort of goth culture stuff this looks basically like a community theater production of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, but it positions itself as, uh, online at least, as a black comedy horror film. Quincy, is black comedy code for this fucking sucks, but we want to make it look like it's on purpose? I I used to not think so, but The Room, directed by Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> the DVD copy of The Room, which I own, calls it a black comedy. Right. Which you assume, so I think you're on to something there. Yeah, and like you assume that they decided to slap that on once they had screenings of a thing and people couldn't stop laughing and it was like, ah, but we're getting a reaction, so let's lean into that. Um, now, this movie, uh, it follows a vampire named Dallas, played by Casper Van Dien, who, a thing that I love about the vampires in this thing, they are fangs out on Maine all the time and nobody says anything about it. Just constantly having sharp teeth, and no one <laughs> makes any mention of it. And and they're talking to regular humans throughout the whole film with their fangs out, and no one's making a big deal about it. Yeah, they're just like hobnobbing with people in L.A. Also, I'm so sorry that I, I did my boy uh, dirty like this. Motherfucking Craig Ferguson is in is in the main cast of this as a vampire. Craig Ferguson um, is probably the highlight of the film. Oh, easily. Not even a question. He plays um, a vampire who uh, is named Richard, who is like an art dealer guy who basically, I think th the funny thing the movie's trying to do with him is that he's an art gallery guy who kills the artists who make the pieces to drive the price of the pieces up. Yeah, yeah. And, and he collects uh, the profit. 
Yeah, which is kind of fun. And his wife, uh, Panthea, who is eternally pregnant, so she's got a little vampire baby in there all of the time. Yeah, um, that's kind of... Well, it's a choice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and they kind of drop it immediately, I think, right? Oh, yeah, they do. Because they. I, I was hoping we would get similar to the Dawn of the Dead remake where we have the like little zombie baby at the end. Um, mm-hmm. I was hoping we'd get when the vampire um, killers kill Panthea that like, oh, you have to stake her twice because she's got this <laughs> undead thing inside of her and it comes out. But no, it's it's dropped. Yeah, I'm always a big fan, honestly, of vampire babies being part of a thing. Like, or or even just like ghoul babies of some kind, like with the, the Dawn of the Dead remake, it never it never happens, which feels weird because of the other stuff this completely insane movie does do. Yeah, so let's talk about some of that insanity. So Dallas shows up to town, and he's been on the run from the Count because he's making <laughs> baby vampires without thinking about it. Yeah, and let's talk about how vampires are made in this uh fictional world um it's basically a sex it's a sexually transmitted disease right yeah if you have sex with a vampire you become a vampire which i kind of actually i can't listen i know that under no circumstances do you gotta hand it to 1998 film modern vampires (laughs) but i don't know i kind of i kind of appreciate that they're taking the subtext and just making it text that vampirism is a stand-in for sexuality and fears of sexual agency and profligacy Uh, yeah because because dallas has turned um wayfish Nico, to use the parlance of Wikipedia, oh yeah, uh, who is a <laughs> prostitute in um, West Hollywood, uh, and is killing her Johns to drain them of blood. Yeah, which kind of rules that she's so yeah, like she's a sex worker hanging out on the strip, and she's referred to as the Hollywood slasher uh, for murdering the shit out of people. My favorite thing about this is that my understanding is that he turned her like. 20 years prior and she's just been doing this the whole time it's wild how has nobody like how how do you get away with this shit for 20 years in the same place i also love that vampire fiction such as uh what we do in the shadows has addressed (laughs) uh this same issue in more thoughtful ways than this movie has. Oh, this, honestly, uh, this movie uh, shambled drunkenly on Two Buck Chuck so that what we do in the shadows could run. Um, <laughs> because this is this is another uh, vampire property that has the, the bravery to ask, what if vampires were some dumb assholes? Which <laughs> I really like and appreciate. Uh, and also... It's, it's a thing in a lot of vampire media where if you're going to make a new vampire, you kind of have to, like, submit a request through, like, Vampire HR for this. Long story short, uh, vampire assassins are trying to kill our boy Casper Van Dien. <laughs> yeah, and we also, now we get uh, literal uh, Van Helsing, who, by the way, I'm sorry... The, the famed Viennese vampire hunter, Dr. Van Helsing, is just alive and well in 1998 Los Angeles. Like, are we... Wh- how is he still alive? Yeah, and also, they're like... The, the, the clever... The quote-unquote clever thing they're doing is... What if Van Helsing is bad because he's also a Nazi? 
Which is a fucking... You know what? Monster Squad does the same fucking thing briefly where it's like, hey, what if we brought up the Nazis with the guy who very clearly was in a concentration camp who's the Van Helsing character? And it's like, like we've, we've already got vampires in the mix. Maybe let's draw the line at Nazis. I don't know. Yeah, it's... It's so weird now in a world with literal Nazis that it feels kind of quaint that in the 90s, Nazis could be like fictional villains and and we could (laughs) laugh at that. That's exactly right. Like at this point, it was, I'm I'm sure like cowboy, it's like cowboys being in the original Dracula by Bram Stoker, (laughs) where you've just got a fucking cowboy popping up. It's like, yeah, why not? What, what, What about Americans? What do they do? They're cowboys. Throw them in. Who gives a shit? Um, I will say that every nightclub in this movie is um, completely unhinged, where it's just a squirming, sweaty fuck den. I'd be remiss not to mention that uh, Dr. Van Helsing hires a bunch of crips to help him kill vampires. Oh, we'll get into that. It's hachi machi, this movie. Uh, you listen, Richard Elfman tried some things, and some of them did not work out. Um, the the I, I love, by the way, that the, the, the main villain of this is... Do they actually straight up refer to him as Dracula, or is it just the Count? It's just the Count. Okay, so he's, like, legally distinct from Dracula. Yes, Similar, but legally distinct. <laughs> Wait, so Dracula, it, this is going to make me sound like a fake horror girl. Does Dracula's public domain, right? Yes, Dracula was written in the... Um, Dracula was public domain by the 1930s when uh, Todd Browning directed Dracula. Right, uh, it's like Which is why the Universal Monsters are the Universal Monsters, is they're all public domain characters. <laughs> And good for them. That's you know, listen. We all—it's Dracula for the people. We we all we all deserve to be able to do whatever, like write Dracula fan fiction. Um, and he, so Van Helsing is trying to hunt down and kill Casper Van Dien because Casper uh, Van Dien turned his son into a vampire to save him from some kind of disease. I think. Yeah, Casper um, Van Dien turned baby Van Helsing into a vampire, and then. Papa Van Helsing had to slay his own son. Ain't that just the way? Um, this actor actually kind of goes for it as Van Helsing in a way I really appreciate. Yeah, uh, and you know, besides him, I have to say that the uh, the Crips are pretty good <laughs> in this movie. Uh huh. They're, um, they rule. Time Bomb, played by Gabriel Cassius, is actually uh, pretty decent. Yeah, actually, the, the Crips in this film, now, obviously, you might be thinking to yourself, ooh, I don't know that the movie Modern Vampires uh, necessarily has the chops to do a thing with black L.A. gang members in the 90s well, and you would be correct. However, these actors do fucking kill it. One of them, um, I forget uh, his character's name, but he actually plays a side character in the movie Can't Hardly Wait, uh, which I don't... Did you ever watch Can't Hardly Wait? Oh, I love Can't Hardly Wait. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Same. I had that on D- on standard definition DVD uh, when I was in high school. Um, I have the uh, Blu-ray that our buds at Mill Creek uh, sent me. <laughs> 
Ooh, yeah, yeah. One of the one of the crips is the guy who yells "Time to get freaky!" in in can't hardly wait for like two seconds. Um, I am a thousand years old, and there is kind of a fun thing where Van Helsing hires on a time bomb. Uh, the the first guy, and he's sort of asking him, like, do you, you know, believe in vampires and The Walking Dead and whatever? And he's like, I mean, sure, man. Like, if you're giving, like, give me give me a paycheck and I'll drive a stake through somebody's heart. I don't give a shit. Um, now, this movie does have weirdly good special effects. They've got fucking fire stunts for days in this movie. Yeah, the fire stunts are really good. The, um... Vampires turning into like wizened monsters makeup is pretty good. Oh, it's a lot um, of fun. Yeah. Also, uh the the tooth budget, the the vampire <laughs> tooth budget because they're constantly being shown is is very good. They're pretty good. I also like that every time a vampire feeds on someone, we get like a quick PowerPoint presentation of like places and things. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> someone's feeding on you and it's suddenly like city skyline, blooming flower. A puppy, not not actually a puppy, Gargoyle. but it's just. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's like okay, so wait, diegetically, is this like the thing that the person being fed upon sees, or is this director Richard Elfman trying to approximate for you, the viewer, what this experience is like? It's like a tone poem. <laughs> I don't. Who? Yeah. Who's to say? <laughs> who who can know the mind of Richard Elfman? Um, now Udo Kier, uh, who by the way the the immortal Udo Kier, I feel like he's one of these actors that should always be referred to as like the great before their name. Um, Udo Kier, who's a you know a genre movie legend, plays uh, in a very sort of cool guy urbane vampire who um, he gets staked by Van Helsing and Time Bomb. Um, but what's inc- what's incredible about it is that uh, Udo Kier, this scene goes on for way too long where they're just like hammering the stake into him and he's screaming. It's basically the scene from the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie with um, Paul Rubens getting staked. Yes, it takes forever. And it's not really for comic effect in this movie. It's just painfully long. <laughs> It goes on, like, and they're sawing his head off, and at that point, like, I don't, I'm, I want to give this movie credit and be like, that, uh, maybe that was on purpose funny. It, let's, let's be, let's be honest, <laughs> it was not on purpose. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, Kim Cattrall's accent in this, I would describe as, um, Frau Blucher. From- yeah, it's very Frau Blucher. <laughs> Now, which is also funny because she's acting like opposite Udo Kier for a lot of this movie. Do you think Udo Kier, who is German, sort of heard her doing this uh, accent and was just like, I mean, I'm in the movie Modern Vampires. Who gives a shit? I'm not going to correct her. <laughs> like, I mean, no. I, who who among us has not heard a bad German accent? And decided to just let it slide. <laughs> yeah, Udo Kier's got a thick skin around this shit, probably as a German actor. <laughs> like, yeah, he's been in, he's seen some shit. Um, now he, so Casper Van Dien decides to take uh, Nico, uh, the the Hollywood slasher, under his wing. Um, we get an extended sex scene. I appreciate uh, that in this movie, Casper uh, Van Dien gets the cheeks out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the sex scenes in this movie are not sexy. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's 
sort of speaking of the room, it's kind of that thing of like, all right, I'm staring at this weird dude's ass for a long period of time. Please, can we get this show rolling? Please, uh, please, can we skip through this? <laughs> What's incredible also about this movie, Quincy, I, I, I feel like most of the plot of this movie is like of RuPaul's Drag Race horror sketch comp- like challenge. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I wonder how much of it really is intentional campiness. I, I feel like it must not be intentional, or maybe not, because this is the kind of movie that if it actually had achieved camp, it would be regarded as a camp class. I don't know. Maybe camp classic is only ever in retrospect. But I've also seen what really happened to baby Jane. And that's like <laughs> pure camp as like in the moment it was made, it was camp. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's actually a really good example of like camp that happened at the time on purpose and everybody like it worked on, on the level that it was doing it. Um, yeah. And this one, like it's campy, but you can kind of, there is a, a, a thin sheen of cocaine on this film. (laughs) You can kind of tell that it was like, you know, Richard Elfman with, you know, somebody nearby and being like, okay, but like, what if a vampire got staked and then stumbled around and grabbed a garden hose and tried to put himself out while catching fire? Um, which actually is a fire stunt in this. I don't know what it is like if they had Compromat on a really good stuntman or something, and he had to do this to pay off a debt. But there, this movie is so odd and fascinating to me because of the bits of it that absolutely are cool and do work, tacked onto a script that does not work in the slightest. Yeah, the script is really bland. It the the entire plot is. Casper Van Dien is being harassed by the Count and his guys, so he takes the fight to the Count and his guys. And that's the movie. Yeah, yeah. That is, I mean, that is kind of the movie, but what's also the movie is, I think, one of the most sort of squirmy and, like, okay, all right, so I'm just going to jump into it. Uh, There's a scene in this movie where Kim Cattrall, who is a vampire, um is lashed to a bed with big uh, garlands of garlic. Garlands of yeah. garlic. What the shit? Yeah, that's and what so they did. Yep, and you've got uh, four black dudes who are, you know, gang members, who she taunts them into fucking her because she knows that she will turn them into vampires if she fucks them. Uh, and they all oblige. Yeah, and they 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 take turns, and she's which also during this she's gone full vamp face like Nosferatu makeup, which kind of adds to the weirdness of this scene. Um, and like the first guy, like they fuck, and then he sort of clutches his dick and rolls off the bed, and he's like, "Oh no, I feel like I'm being turned into a vampire." And then everybody else still goes ahead, and they're like, "All right, well, I guess uh, I guess this guy's up now." And um, I <laughs> because they're not cowards. <laughs> right. Uh, the optics of this scene, I am I am on my knees right now thanking baby Jesus that nobody I live with 
uh, walked into the room <laughs> while I was watching this scene. This is like God tier. What are you watching territory? Please don't tell people how I live. <laughs> yeah, it's like I didn't. I didn't choose this. I'm just watching this for the podcast. Um, but yeah, she turns them all into vampires after a gangbang, and it. I guess Richard Elfman was going for something here but it is it um so what i especially like is from a structural standpoint the gangbang has to happen because casper van dien and nico need the firepower that the gang the gang members have to take on the count right when they turn into vampires they're like eh why not just switch teams? <laughs> what's what's incredible about it is that when people become vampires in this, they don't become gripped with like the need for like like with with like a bloodlust. Like they don't they don't become frenzied. There's not like a a sort of oh no, I'm going to succumb to the monster within. It's just like oh shit, I got fangs, and then you're basically fine. <laughs> like you're just a guy now, and you have fangs. Casper Van Dien also uses those fangs to punch holes in cigars. Okay, what? Yes, that's how he opens the movie. Like, it's him driving and listening to Psycho Billy, as was the style in 1998. Um, I say that like I don't, I don't, I don't listen to Psycho Billy. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed. Uh, but yeah, he. What is the deal with the cigar? Like, he's meant to be a World War II era vampire, so he's always kind of rocking around in like kind of military outfits. Is the cigar part of that, or what is this? Yeah, I guess it's like the, you know, good old boy stogie kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, he does look like the Castle Wolfenstein guy. Or maybe so... it's like how um, Big Rick in Lucha Underground is God-tier villain because he's smoking in L.A. inside. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I when I because I quit smoking in uh, 2018, um, and sm- I smoked in Los Angeles for a few years. Genuinely, though, you are the heel of Los Angeles if you actually decide to smoke here. Like people do get genuinely upset if you're just smoking. Uh, yeah, so so maybe it's to show like he's. He's an anti-hero that doesn't care what others think. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm doing this because of my belief in personal freedom. Um, <laughs> it's it's a lot. Now, at the end of this movie, by the way, Natasha Leone is here. Natasha Leone does not need to be in this movie, but goddamned if I did not start hooting and clapping the moment she showed up. She really uh, is a bright spot in... <laughs> An otherwise dim film. <laughs> yeah, she literally makes friends with uh, Nico, the the stray vampire, in a in a women's bathroom, and just like walks up, and is like, "Hey, it's I'm your friend now," and she's like, "Okay, we're friends." <laughs> like Natasha Leone, who becomes a vampire at the end of this thing, and I think is the only one who has difficulty talking with the fangs, or she's like, "I'm a vampire now," and it's like, "Hell yeah, Natasha Leone." Um, it's we also didn't need to pepper in here that Nico was abused as a child by her stepfather. Yeah, it Ay. it's pretty ham-fisted. Um when all is said and done, it does not make for a fun watch, but it doesn't make for a thoughtful watch either. <laughs> it is not fun, but in fairness, it's also very stupid. Now, I mean actually like Craig Ferguson 
who is just a baby angel and I'm always glad he's here. Like he it's like you said, he's the best part of this movie, but I think it's that Craig Ferguson everybody that has him in a production of a thing should just be thanking him for lending his presence to this thing. Yeah. Um agreed. It, yeah. Um and so yeah, so they the count uh what gets killed uh Van Helsing um is I think turned into a vampire by the end of the movie because he is running naked through an alley at the cops and he's got fangs at the end of this film. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. Uh, so where do you want to put it on our list? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, actually, real quick, are there good things about the movie Modern Vampires? Um, the Blu-ray looks really great. It sounds really great. Uh, it's got a interesting commentary with the director and uh casper van dien um a little cringy but you know it's got some insight to it Mm -hmm. um let's be honest uh with boutique blu-rays like this our listeners are probably have already bought it or are going to buy it anyway just because Mm -hmm. it exists completely honestly i i feel like the i don't know i feel like the soundtrack is fun like the soundtrack is fun yeah and it's very much like danny elfman sort of you can tell that this is danny elfman on his lunch break basically like yeah i'll make a fucking score okay who ooh car chasing here you go is that is that all right richard by the way you owe me fucking 20 dollars. like it's <laughs> it's it's very much that i think but it, i mean I, i'm also a mark for danny elfman doing like anything and it's it totally works here now is this movie better or worse than the film munchies ooh uh I feel like it's better than Munchies because I can tell you anything about this movie and I cannot do that with Munchies. That's true. Munchies is like critters, but <laughs> munchy instead of crittery. Yeah, completely. Now, I, number 524 yeah. on our list is other uh, bonkers vampire movie Nocturna, the vanity project of by uh, Nye Bonet, the exotic dancer who wanted to be a vampire. <laughs> God, what a specific thing to be. Like, what a what a great space to occupy. I feel like Nocturna isn't good, but it's so bonkers that I kind of... I, all right, it's bonkers, but not also terrifically memorable. Yeah, it does have Brother Theodore in it, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Now, right above Nocturna at 523, we have another weird uh, movie, Curio, in Son of Dracula at 1974. This is the one with uh, Ringo Starr. Yes. Um, and, and and Harry Nilsson. Uh, this is one of those things that you can tell this was... The thing about Son of Dracula is I always get the impression that everybody forgot they had committed to make that movie that weekend, and... They all found out, like, they all got, like, a thing on their phone that was like, don't forget, you gotta make Son of Dracula. And they were all like, fuck! And they all, like, <laughs> made it in two days. And it's it's uh, ridiculous. But I feel like Son of Dracula is better than modern vampires entirely because, A, no uncomfortable gangbang, which I really value about it. And B, it's, I don't know, kind of a nice companion piece for, like, when rock stars decide they want to make movies and it sometimes results in stuff like Son of Dracula. Yeah, I, I think you're right. So it's better than Nocturna because it's more memorable than Nocturna. Although Nocturna does have a really good 
uh, improv scene where an actual random man on New York Street just starts harassing uh, Nocturna. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and she Which... stays in character. Yeah, I feel like street harassment in New York in New York in the 1970s was just that's just like somebody saying hi in New York in the 1970s, like For sure. just complete complete bedlam. So yeah, so I feel good about uh, coming in at our new number 524 uh, is Modern Vampires, um, and this is also available on Tubi. Um, or at least that's what it said on Just Watch. I couldn't find it there. I did find it by Googling Modern Vampires Watch Online 123 Movies and then <laughs> closing a million pop-up ads to watch it on my computer, which feels about right for Modern Vampires. So go illegally stream <laughs> Modern Vampires uh, if you are very bored. Um, the other movie we're doing this week to keep the uh, the sleaze uh, train rolling is 1976's uh, Eaten Alive by Toby Hooper, who did um, number one on this list, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, Lillian, this is what's got me stumped, is mm-hmm. how the director of my favorite movie yep. can make basically the same movie and it be one of my <laughs> least favorite movies. I hate this movie with my entire heart. I'm glad I'm not the only one. It is so painful to watch. Yeah. Now, and this movie, Eaten Alive, which does... Now, and the the upsetting thing about it is that on paper, I'm like, okay, so it's a movie called Goddamned Eaten Alive! Exclamation point. It's by one of my favorite directors. It's got a dude on the cover with an alligator and a giant corn scythe... And, Actually, you know, crocodile, not to be oh, too crocodile. pedantic. Oh, I beg but your pardon, they, yes. They take pains in the movie to say, it's a crocodile. <laughs> Shit, this is what'll get you fed to a crocodile, by the way. <laughs> is it's a, excuse, uh, excuse me, I take offense to that. Um, and, Like, if you, Quincy, if you saw this movie at, like, a video rental shack, you would, you would rent it in a New York minute based on, like, half a glance at it. Yeah. And yet it is shit. So what makes it so bad? I think it's... It's shot like a Medea's family play. It's it's all on a soundstage. It's a oh single God. set. And everyone is just walking around this, this giant set piece talking and getting eaten by a crocodile. Is that what they're doing? Like, talking feels generous for... Oh my god, the the curse you just laid upon me. You are totally right. This is a Tyler Perry redneksploitation movie. Um, And it's... Now, I do kind of like that if we're going with, like, the 42nd Street sort of sleaze, I do like how disgusting this movie looks. Like, everybody is so sweaty. Um, This set looks... Now... The the set of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was infamously like balls hot for being filmed in like Central Texas in July or whatever. Um, this doesn't look that hot. It looks uncomfortably warm. Oh yeah, it does. Um, this is supposed to take place in East Texas as well, which is yeah. Apparently, it's also supposed to be loosely based on um, the 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 Bluebeard of. Uh, some area, what was it? Um, it was apparently uh, loosely based on the story of Joe Ball, who is also known as the Bluebeard from South Texas, or the Alligator Man. 
um, who was a guy who owned a bar with a live alligator attraction in the 1930s, and a bunch of women disappeared, and the legend is that he fed them to his pet alligators. Um, none of that really makes it into the movie because it's just a bunch of silly bullshit, and then it ends. Um, it's, it's So the movie begins... With Robert England. A baby-faced Robert England. Uh, he is so young here. Like, he is, you know, just that... He, I think Robert England has one of my favorite faces maybe ever. Yeah, and he, in this movie, is named Buck. And he's here for one thing. And that's to make prostitutes feel uncomfortable. <laughs> It's yeah. He you know he goes to this brothel and there is a a, a night a, a young lady named Clara who he uh, tries to uh, fuck her up the ass and she's like no thank you and then she, you know she leaves the brothel and then goes to what she thinks is a like she goes to a hotel to kind of like cool her heels and get you know cool her heels and get back on her feet. What's my thing with feet? Um, to, you know, get her, get her, get her shit back together after this horrible experience, getting harassed. And that's when Judd, the, the main villain of the movie, I think, is Toby Hooper trying to do a, like, Patri a, a sort of, um, psycho-style Norman Bates, like, when he's attracted to women, he feeds them to his alligator as a euphemism for his dick? I think it is. I think the the crocodile is subtext for the phallus. Which would be fine if this movie had a plot or redeeming qualities. <laughs> like, if there were anything approaching a, a reasonable, like, I don't know, movie in here? Quincy, is it? are we big prudes? Is that why we don't like eating alive? I, I don't think so, because again, not sexy, and the violence is pretty cool. But <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean like so, the, so the violence is fine. Yeah. And and I I think I need to point out like listeners of the show might ask, well, what is sexy to you? You're constantly saying not sexy. And the answer <laughs> is the unnameable, that movie about the alien um who just had sex with everybody. <laughs> oh sure. That's the yeah, that's the gold standard right there. Uh is the yeah, tentacle monsters. But I mean I mean here it's almost like I get that what it is. This movie is a, it's like if um, an inept goof who happens to be like one of my favorite directors tried making Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 a decade before Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah, it's like, so in some ways, I guess we owe it to this movie because we got a really good Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 mm -hmm. because he stumbled making Eaten Alive. I mean, yeah, because it's it's meant to be like, you know, there's there's like a gonzo quality to this movie where um, it's just a bunch of uh, sort of disgusting people doing disgusting things and everything looks really sweaty and, you know, Robert Englund is there. I feel like he was able to, like, melt this down and run it through a sluice gate and later on form it into an actually good version of the of of the like sort of technicolor neon haunted house full of bullshit that the is delightful chicken nugget that is Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre 2. Yeah, yeah, this is uh this is unforgivably bad. Um 
we, I mean, Judd does, of course, get eaten by his own crocodile at the very end of the movie. Hoisted by his own lizard. Hey! <laughs> there we go. That's the episode title. Um, <laughs> Quincy, I want to thank you for your service. This is, this is fantastic. This is, that's so much better than this movie. That's so much better than the movie. Um, now, I mean, like, there, there is a thing that I love about this movie, which is that there's a little kid who escapes under this guy's enormous porch and Judd tries chasing her under the porch, but it's too big and she just keeps crawling away from him. So he just decides, fuck it. I have a kid who lives under my porch now. Yeah. And it just forgets her for most of the movie. I mean, who has time? You know, he's got a crocodile. He's got a hotel to run. Uh, like this movie, like Robert Englund is a delight because he's a delight in anything he's in. Total side note here. Are you watching the current, um, season of RuPaul's Drag Race? No, um, I need to check it out. Is that the one that's streaming on, um, Paramount? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's my favorite queen this season. Uh, her name is Angeria and out of drag, Angeria looks disturbingly like a young Robert Englund. <laughs> um, Google Google it and 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 tell me I'm wrong. Uh, every time that I see, <laughs> it's funny. Like we were watching the most recent episode, and then Sarah turned to me and was like, "You're thinking about Robert Englund, aren't you?" I'm like, "I mean, yeah." Like generally, I'm I'm thinking about Robert Englund, who he's doing his best in this. Side note: also Robert Englund in the first episode of Freddy's Nightmares with Freddy Krueger's origin story. That episode is also directed by Toby Hooper. So. Really? I guess, yeah, so to, uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy from season one of Freddy's Nightmare. So I guess Toby Hooper and Robert Englund are buds, so that's neat. Um, Probably but, the neatest thing about this not very good movie. How is it, again, like, I'm I'm as stumped as you are. Like, Texas so, Chainsaw Massacre is a perfect movie. The film score has a lot to do with it. The score is noodling... Moog synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's kind of like a B tier Jalo movie in terms of soundtrack in a way that really really works for the sleazy aesthetic. It's it it's also the sweat. It's also the lighting. The purposefully red lighting. Oh through yeah. the whole thing is just like bargain bin Argento. Yeah, yeah. Where it's it's almost like an EC Comics kind of aesthetic, where it's like big colors shining from one side of a thing. I think you're totally. That's what it is. Um, eaten alive. Everything good about it is entirely hashtag aesthetic, and that's it. Like this is a movie that you would wanna leave on on a TV behind a bar at a Halloween party that nobody has to pay attention to. Yeah, because there is no plot. It is just. A string of set pieces. Now, I will yeah. say there's a little dog that gets eaten by the crocodile, and that's a pretty <laughs> great scene. That does rule. This is kind of like uh, a slightly more ambitious version of Manos, the Hands of Fate, in a lot of ways, where it's just like, yeah, all on the same set, very, very bad. But there's, I don't know, the, the, the gore effects are cool. I know we're grading on a curve, but I did really, really enjoy the gore effects. Oh, yeah, the gore effects look really great. The spraying blood from the scythe is very good. The mm -hmm. crocodile is like a puppet. Which I always appreciate a, a giant puppet that they somehow manage to work, especially when there's water. It's not that's not easy to do. No, it's not easy to do at all. Uh, if if um, Jaws has taught us anything. Steven Spielberg, I bet he still wakes up in a cold sweat sometimes because that fucking shark. <laughs> I think that Bruce the shark. <laughs> The, the the nemesis of his days. 
Um, so looking at the list, uh, at number 496, um, we have RuPaul's Drag Race uh, Season 6, Episode 3, uh, Screen Queens, the, the one where they have to do a, a horror sketch. And I think that's just because I'm thinking of my, my beautiful wife, Angeria. Um, Quincy, which which do you think is better, um, that episode of RuPaul's Drag Race or Eaten Alive? I would much rather watch RuPaul than Eaten Alive again. And I've seen mm-hmm. this movie many times, so I it's not like I watched it once and wrote it off. I've watched it several times. I've digested it. I think I, I get it. I don't need it anymore. <laughs> You're totally right. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I have also watched this movie several times, but I've retained nothing about it. Like, when I rewatched it again for this episode, I realized that, like, there have been a million times that I've been like, well, fuck, I'm just going to put on Eaten Alive while I'm doing some work, and it just washes over you like a river stone. There's just, you retain nothing about this fucking movie. Now, right below RuPaul's Drag Race is a movie that I cannot tell you what it is, The Alien Factor. (laughs) I remember nothing about that movie. Um, We must have watched it. (laughs) <laughs> Quincy, I gotta point out, we've, uh, how many, uh, we are now at 553 motion pictures that we have watched for this podcast. Um, holy shit. Yeah, there's gonna be some of them that I don't remember, and this is one of them. Okay, the Alien Factor's the one with the weird, uh, makeup. That's, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's also not that great. <laughs> no, no. Um, Below that, we have uh, Satanus, uh, colon, The Devil's Mass, which is, of course, the documentary they made about uh, Anton LaVey. Much better than Eaten Alive. Oh, so much better than Eaten Alive. I would so much rather watch Anton LaVey fucking around on a synthesizer for, like, five minutes than than watch Judd kill people with a scythe. Um, Right below that, at number 499, uh, is one of the first movies we ever did on this podcast, which is Burned at the Stake from 1981. And actually here, I'm going to, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. Here it goes. In the movie Eaten Alive, somebody gets eaten alive by a crocodile. The The title of the movie happens. At, in the movie Burned at the Stake at number 499, nobody actually gets burned at the stake. You're right. I think for premise alone, people are eaten alive. We have to give the edge to eaten alive. Listen, don't play with my emotions. Don't don't fuck me around. If you name a thing burned at the stake, I'm gonna need people getting burned at the stake. I'm I'm a traditionalist. Um so yeah, so I feel good about that. So coming in at our new number four hundred ninety nine, uh, above Burn at the Stake and below Satanus the Devil's Mass is Eaten Alive by Toby Hooper from 1976. Uh, this is also on Shudder right now, if anybody... I mean, I don't know why you would, but if you wanna... If you wanna sit... if Alright, if you want the movie equivalent of sitting in a hot car for an hour and a half with nothing to do, then I guess watch Eaten Alive by Toby Hooper? Um, it's, it's definitely for completionists. If you've seen all the other Toby Hooper movies... Go ahead. You've already come this far. That's exactly it. Yeah, this is... There's gotta be, like, an Eaten Alive superfan out there somewhere, right? Surely. I Yeah, people are into all kinds of weird shit. So yeah, so go check it out. Um, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Our listeners can find us on just about all your social media platforms. We're Rank and Vile on Instagram, Rank and Vilecast on Twitter. Uh, we also have a YouTube Rank and Vilecast. Um... We have a TikTok, but we don't use it. Uh, but we landed the the handle. 
TikTok frightens me. Every time that I look at it, I'm like, no, the youths, they'll eat us alive, Quincy. <laughs> They're all out there. This is this is where they gather. Um, yeah, we, we, we have a letterbox. Um, guys, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, consider jumping over to uh, uh, Apple Podcasts and give us, a, give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Um, and if you have a movie that you want us to watch, maybe there's another Toby Hooper movie that we haven't done yet uh, that is better than Eaten Alive that'll help restore our uh, faith in him and his work. Uh, you're going to want to send that request over to rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, other than that, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Uh, don't forget we have merch at fancynonsense.com. Yes, yes we do. We have uh, Jalo mugs. We have, um, I think my favorite thing is that we have a mug that uh, is just death, the, the phrase deathmatch wrestling in a cute, colorful bubble font with a heart on the handle, um, which I drink my coffee out of every morning. Um, so yeah, so go, go check it out. We got t-shirts, we got all manner of stuff, stickers, just an embarrassment of merch. Um, but yeah, uh, you got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.